Professor Ryan. And I don't know if you, we should have put that picture up of what you used to look like when you were a punk rocker. It will scare you. You'll have nightmares. And people never know how old you are. How old are you now? Like 55. What? Right? Like, so much for staying out of the sun keeps you looking young. He, like, lives in the sun. <laughs> anyway, amazing, amazing testimony. God is good. He's the God of the impossible. Amen? <clears throat> All right. Well, let's start with the scripture reading this morning. Let's read from Matthew chapter 25. If you don't have your Bibles, we'll put it up on the screen for you. Then the kingdom of heaven, this is Jesus talking, by the way, and he's, he's going to, just to give you a preface, he's, he's telling a story, he's telling a parable. Jesus would preach in parables because it was a way for people to understand the mysteries of the kingdom that he was trying to share. Because some stuff that Jesus says, you probably go, man, that's like above my pay grade. You know, I'm like, I can't wrap my head around it. Well, that's what he was doing when he taught people. He taught them in stories that they could relate to. Okay, so that's what he's talking about here. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps. But the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by the shout, look, the bridegroom's coming, come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, Please give us some of your oil because our lamps are gone out, are going out. But the others replied, We don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back and said, believe me, I don't know you. Uh, you know, I love weddings. I don't know if you do. Uh, I like them when I'm not in, in them. You know, because you know what happens if you've been around a bride uh, when, it's, when they're preparing for the wedding? They become a little bit obsessed, don't they? It's like everything is about the wedding. It doesn't matter if they've got a job or if they're in college or if they, if they have other things going on in their life. Every time you see them, all they want to talk about is the flowers and the decor and the dress. You know, they are obsessed with the wedding. And, uh, you know, we can learn so many things spiritually when we look at life in the natural. Because God actually uses a lot of life as kind of a foreshadowing of what is heaven's going to be like, of what's to come. And that's what he uses here when he talks about the wedding. He's talking about this uh, spiritual wedding that we're going to have one day in heaven with Jesus when he marries his bride. But as you'll notice from that story, not everybody was invited. Only the people that are considered his bride. Well, who's his bride? Well, his bride is the ones that love Jesus with all their heart. They're the ones looking forward to his coming. They are excited about Jesus. You know, that's the thing about if you look at an earthly bride, she's just so excited. She's preoccupied with her groom. She's talking about him all the time. Oh, didn't he send me the cutest text? Look at this, you know. And oh my goodness, she's going to love my dress. Wait till you see what I picked later. You know, it's, they're so preoccupied with their groom. 
And that's how we should be if we are the bride. God is looking for those that are preoccupied with his son and he's coming and are just so excited they can't wait to see him. And, you know, there's another aspect of, of that, of, of Christianity, of being excited for the bride. Let me, if I had to, if you're single and believing God for a, <clears throat> a godly soulmate, or maybe if you have a, if you're a parent and you're trusting God for a, a godly soulmate for your, for your child, and I come and I say to you, I have the perfect person, okay? They're gorgeous. They're hardworking. They are so diligent and caring, and you know what? They are so much fun to be around. Are you interested? Most people would say yes, right? <laughs> I see hands going up. <laughs> but then I say to you, but there's just one thing. This person is not interested in any kind of intimacy or physical touch. They don't want any hugging or kissing or intimacy of any kind. All they're interested in is being hardworking, diligent, efficient, and very goal-orientated. Are you still interested? Most people are going to give me a big fat no. Why? Because intimacy, hugging, kissing, holding hands, is a very big part of a relationship. It shows that you have that intimate connection with somebody. And that is why God is using the example of a wedding to illustrate what his bride should look like. God doesn't want people that are just going to work for him. He wants people that are going to love him. He wants somebody that's going to be in love with Jesus. Just like you would want your kid to have somebody, a spouse, or the spouse you're looking for. You want that spouse not to just work for you and provide for you, but not really be in love with you. That's not what you want. God doesn't want that either. He wants somebody who loves him, not just works for him. So how do we become this bride that he's talking about? How do we become those five wise virgins that got in? Well, let's look at the parable. We understand that these ten virgins, they represent a believer. Okay, they're virgins. They represent a believer. It means holy and set apart ones. They're Christians. They've met Jesus. They've been saved. Then it talks about them having, uh, they all had lamps. Now, your lamp in this could represent your own testimony, your witness for Jesus. Everybody's got a witness. I could call it your ministry. Even though you're not in full-time ministry, your ministry is anything you do. Wherever you go, you shine your light for Jesus. You have impact in your world. Your lamp, so to speak, is what they were represented in here. Everybody has it. Then you'll notice uh, that the oil, though, is the most important thing in this story. And I believe that the oil is representative of the intimacy with the Holy Spirit in this context. The reason I think that is because if you read down, you see at the bottom what the bridegroom says at the end of this parable. Let's look at it. He says, later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. So there's something to do with knowing him that represents the oil. You know, so I, I, I was looking up that word know. I like to sometimes see because the Bible is originally written 
in Greek. The New Testament is written in Greek. And a word in Greek can have multiple meanings, something different necessarily than just the English plain word. So I was looking up that word no, and I was expecting to find the definition in Greek of, of basically of getting to know someone, learning about them. It's a learned word. But instead, what I found was this word called oida. I'll put it up for you. Oida means something a little differently. Oida means to know something perfectly, completely, or by perception. In this context, it can also be intimately translated as to see. So look up at me. In this context, it means I have not seen you. I have not looked into your eyes. We have not sat face to face and looked at each other. Jesus is saying, I don't want you at the wedding because I've not looked at your face. You have not looked at mine. We have no intimacy. We don't know each other. What a sad thing to hear from your Lord. And you know, they were all believers in this parable. So how did some not get invited in? You know, I don't think it's, when I look at this, I don't think it starts out deliberately. I don't think people are like, oh yeah, I'm going to serve my Lord the whole, my whole life and then not be invited into the wedding. I think it starts out, you know, people get saved, they, get, they meet Jesus, they found out that he, take, he took all their sin on the cross for them, that they could have his righteousness, they could live in right standing with God and that he wants to be with them and they start out and they, they, they're so excited about it, but then life happens and it gets busy and Church becomes something you do once a week for an hour. God becomes that church that you fit in once a week for an hour. And then on the flip side of that, there's people that they get saved and they are all in. They are all in about this Jesus thing. They are serving him. They are at church. Where can I serve? Where can I help? What can I do? Oh, I need to go on the streets. I'll go do that. And, and, they, and they are so they want to help. They want to do so much for God. But what happens is they fill up their schedule with doing things for the Lord. And they have less and less time to pray and sit with him and be intimate with him. And you're like, oh, God, I got to get to church. I got to get to early because I'm serving. I got to get there at night. Usually I would have time. But, Lord, you understand I'm doing this for you, right? You're good, right? We're cool because I'm, 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 I'm doing this for you. So we're totally fine, right? And what happens is you get so caught up in doing for God that you actually neglect him. You neglect the intimacy and it's actually not okay. I heard this statement that said, Jesus has many servants but few lovers. And I know God, God loves us who work for him. He wants you to do something. No, none of, no Christian gets to sit around on the couch and not do anything for the Lord. You're all called. You all have a unique calling and ability. You're all supposed to do something for him. And God cares about those who work for him. The difference is, are you doing it from a place of intimate relationship with him that, that, comes, from, that comes from approval, not for approval? See, are you doing something for his approval or are you doing it from the place of approval and intimate relationship? Because God's kingdom is a kingdom of love, not of works. But many are just about the work. And in this parable, you'll see again, as I pointed out, that they all had lamps. 
They were all shining for Jesus. They were all doing something for Jesus. And then you'll see that they also all slept for a while. So what do we see? We see that there is this, this, uh, this unison that they, you couldn't tell them apart. They all did the same thing. They all had lamps. They all slept. They all, you couldn't tell them apart. You looked, and you can't tell at the body of Christ, you can't tell them apart. They all look like Christians. We all have lamps. We're all doing the same thing. There's no difference until the oil ran out. Then their first mistake was worrying only about their oil. My oil has run out. My lamp is going out. My influence is going away. The light I have is going. The people following me can't see me anymore. Their first mistake was only worrying about their oil. Their second mistake was thinking that they could buy it or borrow it for somebody else. They wanted to conveniently and quickly get the oil from somebody else. But you see, I can't give you my history with God. And you can't give me yours. The oil is produced here through days and weeks and years. The crushing, the disappointments, the deep, deep, beautiful experiences, the moments with God, the pressing in, the reaching for Him for hours where nobody else can see. The secret history I have with God, I can't give you that. And you can't give me yours. And to think that these virgins thought that they could conveniently and just quickly just give me yours. Just lay your hands on me and just give me what you got. Just come on, just lay your hands. Just give it to me quickly and easily. Wow, how they misunderstood what intimacy with Jesus means. How that oil is obtained. And then when they asked the other virgins, the, the wise virgins said, no. You have to learn to say no. If you want to seek Jesus' face, and if you want to have intimacy with the Almighty, and get to know Him, and understand Him, and speak to Him, and know His heart, you're going to have to learn to say no. No to people who drain you. No to drama. I don't want no drama, drama. I, can't, I, I won't sing. <laughs> See, you have to say no to that too. So you know what I'm saying? Um, you have to say no. No to distractions. No to social media. No, if you want to prioritize your time with the Lord, you're going to have to learn to say no. In order to have time to sit in these presence, you have to say no. And I know some of you, you have literally cultivated <laughs> distraction as a God in your life. Because you'll be sitting and be like, I'm going to pray right now. And that phone goes, ding. And you're like, let me just check that. It could be, it could be something important. Like a like on my post. <laughs> maybe it's a new follower. Or maybe it's a text. And, and God is saying, you know, God Almighty up there. Like, really? This is what you're going to do right now? But we so trained our brains to be distracted that it's just ding, ding. Move the phone out of the way. Take it out of your, leave it over there. If you want to prioritize your time with the Lord. You have to make that time. And some people say, I'm so busy. I've got this and this and this going on. I'm so stressed. Guess what? If The more stressed you are, the more pressure you're under, the more time you need in his presence. 
the more time you need to get refilled close to him, get his understanding and know him. And having intimacy with Jesus and getting to know him is not just about reading your Bible and praying. That's <clears throat> very important. You got to read the word. You got to get to know him. You have to read it. And prayer time is a lot of times about your petitions to God. It's about letting him know, okay, Lord, this is what I'm, this is what's going on in my life. This is what I need for. But if you want intimacy with Jesus, you have to be able to then take time to just sit with him. Just sit in his presence. And say, Jesus, I want to see you. I just want to know you. What's on your heart today, God? What are you thinking about? I just want to experience your presence and your glory and just be near you. I just want to hear your heartbeat. What are you thinking about, God? And you just sit and you be quiet and you let the thoughts come and you let the Lord begin to speak to you. And you just sit in his presence. And you'll experience his presence and his glory that way. And guess what? God wants you to have that as well. Because he knows that if you will have an encounter with him, if you will experience him, what it will do is it will give you a revelation of how good he is. Because when you encounter him, your heart is like, like melting butter. You're just like, how good is our God? I've never met anybody who's encountered God who didn't walk away beaming, heart full of joy, so in love with him. And what happens is the more in love with him you are, the more you realize what a good God is and how faithful and kind he is, the more I want to spend time with him. And then what happens is then you're so overflowing with all of this, you can't help but tell other people. You're like, oh, man, I got to tell you what I read this morning. God spoke to me about this. Oh, man, I was sitting with him, and he showed me this, and he showed me this. And now what you're doing is you are reaching out, and you're doing exactly what the Great Commission is. You're spreading the good word about Jesus. You're encouraging others because others are like, man, I'm going through a really tough time, feeling like I'm in a desert. You're like, listen, spend time with Jesus. Look, look, the scripture, what I've got. And you begin to share, and you begin to bubble over, and the fire that's inside of you begins to drop little drops of embers onto this person and they ignite and you bring them back to life all because you're flowing over with his presence it's just like that bride who's so in love with her with her groom she's so excited she can't help it every time she talks to you about him she's like oh my gosh he's so cute he sent me flowers and look at these pictures isn't this cute what a cute picture i'm gonna post this one what do you think isn't he so adorable don't you just love him and after a while you're like oh my gosh i think i love your husband like okay like <laughs> Okay, he's amazing, you know? And if God, if that stuff can happen in the natural, you don't know what the Holy Spirit is doing in the spirit realm. And that is the importance of doing that because what happens is as you do this, you bring heaven to earth. Because you're so overflowing with him that it just runs into people that are dry and parched. And they begin to come alive. And they begin to walk in their purpose. And they get drawn back to the kingdom. It's not this hard and fast, oh, I've got to go out and I've got to be, I've got to be, I've got to be an evangelist. I've got to go on the streets right now and witness. Okay, here I go. <laughs> Hi, here's a track. Okay, good. No, it wasn't meant to be. It was meant to be in your everyday life, just flowing from where you've been. I just can't help but speak about, oh, my Jesus. You know, there's a, a well-known evangelist who went to be with the Lord. His name was T.L. Osborne. Um, and he was, he reached, I think, millions of people, I, probably. In all of his, he went to Africa, he went all over the place. But in his beginning of his ministry in 1949, he actually 
was a failed out missionary in India. He went to India and he preached the, the gospel, but he had no signs and wonders, no miracles happening. And the people, the locals just couldn't be bothered, didn't listen. And so he went back to America. He felt so defeated. He was running a tiny little church in Oregon and just feeling like, what am I even doing, God? And William Branham came into town. If you don't know who that is, go look him up. One of the greatest prophets and evangelists operated in signs and wonders and miracles. Came to his town and his wife went to the meeting. And that night she came home and she said, you got to come to this meeting tomorrow. So she drags him to the meeting. And... In the meeting, many miracles happened, but the one that struck him the most was he invited this little boy up to the stage who was deaf and mute. And as he put his fingers in his ears and began to pray, the ears popped open and he began to speak right on the stage. Miracle. And as, as T.L. Osborne sat there, he said it was like he heard a thousand voices within him saying, you can do that too. And he went home and he locked himself in the room and he said, God, I'm not leaving until I meet with you. And three days later, Jesus walked into his room and he said, I am the same today, yesterday, and forever. And he walked out. And that was enough. T.L. Osborne booked a crusade in, in Jamaica, flew to Jamaica. The, the, the conference, the crusade was supposed to last three days. It went on for six weeks. Eighty-nine people that were deaf and mute were healed in that one crusade. Because an encounter with Jesus will change your life. Will rock you to the core. It will propel you into the destiny that God's got for you. It will rise you up to walk in the power that God has planted in you. You need to desire to see Jesus. You need to want to see more of Him. Because whatever you've known in your life, as far as your Christianity, is a drop in what God has for us. There's so much more that He has for us. I want to show you a video. This, I'm going to just tell you about this before I start, and we'll have the lights down. In this video, what you're going to see, obviously this man walks with the Lord. This man has had encounter with God. And so he operates in the power that Jesus gave us to operate in. He throws water on this lady. Now, God tells people to do a lot of things. So when somebody is under the anointing or when they're, when they're ministering, God can tell them to do weird things. Smith Wigglesworth punched a woman in the stomach in the prayer line, and she threw up a tumor, and she was healed. Don't punch people in the stomach. <laughs> Unless God told you to. <laughs> Heidi Baker stepped on a man's foot. God said, step on his foot. She's like, oh. She prayed, and she stepped on his foot with everything she had, and he was like, ow. And he knew instantly he was healed because he had leprosy. And if you have leprosy, you can't feel your feet. So don't do things unless God tells you to. Don't be around punching, stepping on feet, throwing water, okay? But understand, God is not a formula. But you do what he tells you to do, and there'll be power in it, okay? So let's have the lights down, and we'll, this two-minute video. Oh, my God. 
Jesus. Come on. We'll have the lights up. Woo! Come on. Come on. What just like, you just watch the bones, the muscles, the ligaments, everything just regrow as God did that in, I'm sorry, two minutes. Two minutes. Is he the God of the impossible? Yes. Yes. And see, this is, the, this is the problem, is that we have built a box around our head of what we believe is possible with God. Oh, no, I can't believe for that cancer to be gone because the doctors say it's terminal. In two minutes, it can be gone. What do you think happened to Moses when he stood in front of the Red Sea and God's like, oh, yeah, part it. Huh? Part the what? The, he had never seen a miracle like that before. He never saw it, but can you imagine the impossible? Can you be like a kid in an animation movie where you believe the impossible is possible? Because if you're supposed to operating all God's got for you, you have to take the limits off. You have to stop being so critical. Well, I don't know if that person really got healed. Did they really have back pain? Did they really do this? And this is the problem with most miracles is everybody wants to criticize. Well, that was, was that real? Was that fake? That's why we have to go to Africa and find one that's taken on a little cell phone for people to believe believe that God, like, no, literally God healed them. Somebody comes out of a wheelchair, well, how paralyzed were they? <laughs> Why can't we get to the place where we're expecting it, where you're so, that when you pray for somebody, you're shocked when that doesn't happen. 
Like you have to start using your imagination and picturing blind eyes open, picturing somebody coming out of a wheelchair, picture that leg being healed, picture the cancer going, picture your healthy marriage, picture your business being a success. Imagine it in your mind. Take the limits off because you can't do something you can't imagine. You have to believe it. Do you think that guy pr praying for her had one second of doubt that her arm wasn't going to come straight? No. He even stepped back. Let me get the, let me throw a little more anointing on you. I'm just going to stand out the way so you all know it's Jesus. God, I desire that. I want more. God, I want more. I want all you have ordained for me, God. I don't want to get to heaven and find out I missed all of that. That I'm supposed to be walking in that? God, stretch me. Stretch my capacity to be able to hold more of you. See, your journey with the Lord <clears throat> will have levels and dimensions. You'll always be growing. You'll always be learning. And you'll always feel like you're being stretched. Two of the most important things on your journey, I'm going to tell you, is learning to live a lifestyle of forgiveness and repentance. Many people struggle coming to Jesus. When I talk about intimacy with Jesus and wanting to see him face to face, a lot of people struggle with coming to Jesus as Father God because maybe they had a really rough childhood and their, their dad wasn't a good representation of Father God. And so they struggle. Or maybe some things have happened in their life and they blame God for them. So again, struggle to get intimate with him. Or maybe... They've, there's some people that have just had, honestly, horrific things happen to them. And they're holding on to so much hurt from it that they can't forgive and let go. But see, the Lord tells us to forgive every single person for the reason he knows. I have a little saying I like to say, holding unforgiveness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. It only kills you. And God knows that. So he says, bring it to me. Leave it with Jesus. Let that burden go. Give it up. And then the other part of that is repentance. Things happen. You fall. You make mistakes. You error. Guess what? You're human. God understands your humanity. That's why he put this in place as repentance. Because your sin keeps you from God. God doesn't stop coming to you. Your sin prevents you because of your own heart. You have to walk with the Holy Spirit. That's the only way you're going to walk a sin-free life. You cannot do it by yourself as hard as you've tried. You keep falling. You keep making mistakes. Guess what? Until you learn to rely on the Holy Spirit and realize it's the grace of God that enables you to do it, you'll keep falling. But if you have, then you just come to the Lord and you say, God, forgive me. Thank you for Jesus' blood that cleanses me. I come to you, Lord. Because Jesus wants you healed whole and healthy in order for you to look outwardly he needs you to be whole and healed inside i'm going to give you one little practical tip here as we get <clears throat> ready to 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 close just the, the message part of that is if you want to learn to enter god's presence when you're at home in your time if you want a, a little tip to learn to enter god's presence when you read the Bible, and you especially read about heaven and the 24 elders in heaven, what, 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 what are they doing in heaven? How do they speak to God in heaven? Do they speak to God standing up? No, 
It says that the elders and even the angels bow to their knees and they cover their eyes. They bow before him. Why do they do that? They're not scared of him. That's not fear. They do it because of awe and respect and honor before their king. But many Christians today, they're in bed like this. Father God, God, Father God, God, you know, right? You got me, God. You so got me, God, right? I'm, oh, Jesus, I can feel you, Jesus. I love you. You know you got me, right, God? Angels in heaven are like, child, who does he think he's speaking to? Do they even have an idea of who they're talking to? The disrespect. See, what's happened is, is Jesus has been preached as our friend and our buddy. And everybody's like, yeah, Jesus and I, we're just like, we hang out. Jesus and me, we're like, woo, we're chilling. People have become so comfortable with God, they can no longer touch him or see him or experience him because he is almighty creator, all sufficient, all knowing, all powerful. The earth shakes when he speaks. He is that. So if you want to come into his presence, you come with respect and reverence and awe and honor. And I'm not saying that you have to go on your knees. I know many people can't even physically go on your knees. But what I'm asking you to do is come with the posture in your heart of kneeling. So you come before him and you come into his presence and you start by acknowledging who he is. God, you're, you're the uncreated creator. You're almighty. You're Yahweh. You're compassionate and kind and merciful. Oh, thank you for your mercy and your kindness and your goodness. You're all-powerful and all-knowing, yet you care about me, God. You love me so much. Thank you for Jesus. Jesus, how could I ever thank you enough for everything you've done and for everything you've given and for your blood and for your perfect life. Oh, God, I'm in honor of you, your mercy and your kindness and your goodness, Lord. Lord, I just want to see your face. God, I just want to experience you. I just want to know you. Lord, I just want to know you more. God, take me deeper. Take me deeper, Father. Show me more of your heart, Lord. Expand my heart so I can fully see you and know you, Jesus. I desire all you have ordained for me in this life. But God, I don't want any of it if I don't have you. I don't want to go anywhere if I don't go with you. If you don't go with me, I don't want to go. Like Moses said, don't leave me, God. Don't leave me here, God. Take me deeper, Jesus. Don't leave me this way. Take me deeper, Jesus. Jesus will show up because he loves you more than you could possibly love him. I'm going to ask Ciara and the team to come up. God wants us to desire him in such a way that he can come and give you everything he has ordained for you. To fill you with love overflowing, his joy overflowing, that your heart would break for what his heart breaks. That you would begin to love people the way he loves people. That you'd begin to see people with the eyes of grace that he sees them with. Because you can't be judging people and prophesying over them at the same time. 
If you want to operate in the prophetic, you have to learn to see them with the love of God, with the grace of God. And the only way you're going to do that is get closer and closer to his heart. So we'll have the lights down. I'm going to ask everybody to stand with me. We're going to sing this song, and I want you to... If maybe you've never done this before, maybe you're like, man, I don't know Jesus like you know him. I don't think I've ever made him like Lord of my life like, you, like you're talking about. Well, guess what? It's a conversation. And it starts with asking him, repenting of your sins and asking him to forgive you. And he'll meet you. That's it. So if that's you while we sing the song, come down to the altar. If your heart is burning in you and you're just like, God, I want to see your face, come down to the altar. If you're more comfortable staying in your seat, that's fine too. Don't let this moment go. The Holy Spirit has spoken to your heart. Because as a shepherd, I'm called to pour the oil on your heart to ignite you to want more of Jesus, to not be satisfied, to stay where you are, to say, God, there's more. I want to operate in signs and wonders and miracles. I want to be able to set people free and see them delivered. But God, it starts with me knowing you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's sing this song. Moses stood on a mountain Waiting for you to pass by You put your hand over his face So in your presence he wouldn't die
cry.
it to the end, God, if we can see your face, to encounter you more, Jesus, to know you more, God, to be called your bride, because we're so in love with you, God. We want to know you, Jesus. The heart of God is drawing you right now. That's the drawing of the spirit that you're feeling, that tug inside of you, that ache that you're feeling is God's tug. He's pulling you. That's the heart of God pulling you closer to his heart, linking you, drawing you. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Not height, nor depth, nor famine, nor persecution, nor despair, nor tragedy. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. He's drawing you. He's drawing you deeper. Will you take that step? Will you run after Him? Will you hold on to Him? Regardless of circumstance, Regardless of what others might say, regardless if things never change around you, regardless if you stay in the desert season your whole life, will you run after Him? Will you hold on to Him? Will you want more of Him? If you never get another thing in your life, will He satisfy you? Will He satisfy you? It's all you, Jesus. It's always been you, Jesus. It's always been you, Jesus. It's always been you, Jesus. Thank 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 you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for meeting with us. Thank you for encountering us. That weight you feel, that's the presence of God manifesting in the natural for you. It's like a weighted blanket. It's his peace, it's his presence that's ministering to you, that's embracing you. that's touching you. Those thoughts that are going through your mind, that's Him talking to you, showing you things, showing you things. Don't let the enemy come and steal anything from you. If any negative thought comes, you push it aside. Any thought comes to try and steal what God is doing, you push it aside and you say, no, 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 no. I want more of Him. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you for what you've done here today, Lord. 
Lord, I thank you for the word that you gave me. Lord, to pour oil upon them today. Fresh oil from heaven. Because your desire is that not one would be left, but that all would be saved. Thank you for what you've begun in them today. Lord, I thank you that we will see the fruit of a changed on fire in love with you person that will begin to see the fruit in their lives like never before. Lord, and every day we start by saying we're hungry for more of you, Jesus. Our commitment to you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Well, thank you for coming out to the service today. I hope you were encouraged. I'll have my ministry team kind of find a little spot down front. Don't, don't, if you're still on your knees and you're with the Lord, you don't need to move. But I'll have my ministry team kind of make their way down, find a little open spot. If you do need prayer, I have a ministry team standing here to pray for you. If you rededicated your life to the Lord or maybe this is your first time, please come down and meet them. We have a book for you. If uh, you need baptism in the Holy Spirit, you can come down for that too. Remember, P3 is this Wednesday night. It's going to be powerful. We're going off to His face. We're going off to seeing His face. We're going off to the presence of God. So that's Wednesday night at 7 p.m. We'll have just the house lights up a little bit for everybody. And then my ministry team is down front if you need prayer. Thanks, folks, for coming out. If the people are still on their knees, just let them have a moment with the Lord. We love you. And we'll see you Wednesday.